At People's Capital Group, we help you invest in real estate. Build your wealth by owning professionally managed apartment buildings in the northern New Jersey market. We want to show you how owning real estate is attainable, even for the busy professionals that don't have the time or experience investing in real estate. Now, we only work with select people who are serious about building wealth. So find out if you qualify at peoplescapitalgroup.com. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to another episode of the Passive Cash Flow Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Fregnito, and welcome to our podcast where we discuss in depth topics explaining how we help people invest in high demand real estate and why, over the last decade, dozens of people have decided to invest passively with People's Capital Group. Some episodes include interesting guests like today that span dozens of different types of industries. Other episodes offer analysis of popular topics that pertain to people seeking to learn how to build passive wealth in real estate. So listen in and enjoy the -the off-the-cuff podcast made to entertain, educate, and help you learn how to create passive wealth in real estate. To learn more about us, go to peoplescapitalgroup.com. But we have a very interesting guest today a cross-segregation specialist, a tax specialist. We're going to break into what a cross-segregation study is. Why do people complete one of these? How much does it cost? And how does it help you save money on taxes and owe less money to the IRS? And Yona Weiss is a tax specialist, so he's going to break right into this. Yona, how are we doing today? I am doing wonderful, Aaron. Thank you so much for having me on the show. It's great to be here. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you for joining us here on the Passive Cashflow Podcast. You know, I've seen you around. I've met you at multiple events. You have a great following on, on social media there. And, and you really, uh, you honed your craft of cross-segregation uh, study, right? What is a cross-segregation study? So it's a really weird name, right? Um, but essentially what it is, it's a, it's a form of depreciation. Okay. So cost segregation is essentially taking the cost of the property and depreciating it in its individual components. And actually it used to be called component depreciation, which is makes a lot more sense when I describe what it is. <laughs> but normally when you take a depreciation deduction, mm-hmm. it's basically a gift that the IRS gives you. A government says, oh, you invested in a property, you bought a business or a, a rental or an investment property. So this is not for your personal residence, but any of those, you get to now take a tax write-off from your income tax to literally reduce your taxable income. And the way that you do that is you take that per- whatever it is you spent on the property, the purchase price, you divide that by 27 and a half or 39 years. And essentially over a long period of time, you're able to take a write-off of the entire property. So that's what depreciation deduction is. It's, it's a borrowed term from the word depreciation, which means things going down in value. So the IRS says, when you buy a, a building, even if it's very old, you get to start your depreciation deduction today. Uh, and so you're able to take that over a long period of time. What cost segregation does is it actually breaks down the property into its elements from an engineering perspective and allows you to take certain components on a faster depreciation schedule. So certain, you know, a part, portion of the property, you can actually 
take those tax deductions of that over a five-year, seven-year, 15-year period, which means we're able to front load those deductions and mm. take them at a faster rate. So it's a tax strategy that allows you to what we call accelerate your depreciation deductions, giving mm. you basically more cash flow, right? If you have more that you can deduct from your taxes, pay little to no taxes now um, that you're bar- basically borrowing from those potential deductions down the road. Mm-hmm. Okay. So why would someone want to do a cross segregation study? Because there's a cost to it. And why don't I just take my tax depreciation as the IRS allows me to naturally over 27 years, or I think it's 35 for commercial or something. Yeah, right. Exactly. Well, to believe it or not, the the IRS actually uh, says that the cost segregation method is the correct way to do it. So you're actually supposed to break down your property into these categories, but they don't require you to hire a, a firm to do this and, and yes, and pay money to get the study done. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not going out of their way, as we all know, to tell you about all of these deductions that you have to do, right? Uh-huh. You got to figure it out in your own, on your own, right? The IRS is not going to tell you, oh no, don't pay us, right? Don't take those deductions, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, that'll be the day. That'll be the yeah, day. Yeah. Exactly. So, I mean, why would someone do it? The main reason is it's a tax strategy to that produces, like I said, these accelerated depreciation deductions. So if you are in the position where you want to scale your business, you want to be able to have more cash at hand to reinvest, uh, to buy more, to do with your money that you uh, that you really know what you can do. You know better what you can do with it, hopefully, than Uncle Sam does. <laughs> so, and they're saying here, you can actually take these deductions. You don't have to pay tax this year, right. right? You don't have to pay that. So why wouldn't you do that? That's really the question. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, of course, of course. And now just to clarify though, as a, this might be more of a, a, a CPA question here, but as basically a, so a passive investor in a uh, an LLC, right? Let's say you're passively invested with people's capital group in an apartment building and we do a cross uh, cost segregation study and uh, we uh, procure another quarter million dollars of tax write-offs. Now, these passive investors are going to take that passive write-offs. And of course, they can only use that to write off other passive gains, of course, right? That doesn't change in this in this situation. Is that correct? That's correct. So essentially what happens is in a partnership, uh, whether it's you know uh, an active partnership or a, like you said, a syndication where you're passively investing in a deal, each partner, each investor will have a percentage of ownership of that property. And with that, they will be allocated to them. They'll get a percentage of the depreciation. And that goes, depreciation is this interesting uh, deduction because it's specifically geared towards passive income. And so not that just you have to invest passively, but all real estate is considered passive income. For whatever reason they decided that, That's even though if you're actively involved in it, it's still considered passive income, right? right? Which is strange. Nevertheless, IRS considers um, depreciation as a deduction that can only be used against your passive income. So if you're investing in a deal, you'll be able to use those depreciation deductions to offset your rental income, whatever investment income or rental income or other passive business income that you may have. Mm-hmm. And if you have more deductions than you have income, which is what happens in many times, it will create what's called a passive loss. 
Okay. And that passive loss can be carried forward. You can use it in the future. Sure. Or if you're an active real estate professional, like, uh, like you probably are and, and many others out there, if you're a broker or if you're involved in property management, owning properties, and real, you can actually use those deductions, those passive losses against any other source, your active income, your W-2 or anything like that, or your spouse's income. So that's the main benefit of the cost segregation is using it beyond your Schedule E, your rental income, mm-hmm. uh, but using it to offset your active income as well. Mm-hmm. No, that's very interesting. And then, so what is generally the cost of a cross uh, a cost segregation study? Um, it typically depends on the size and type of property. Um, we're the largest national uh, firm doing this, and so our our fees are pretty competitive. It's not contingent on tax savings, but I would say on average, uh, again, depending on the t- size and type of property. I'd say the range is about between four to $6,000 is the average cost for any property. Um, you will get some smaller properties like single families or, or smaller multifamily that there's not a lot of work involved in getting it done because it does require an engineer site visit to the property. We have to capture all of the uh, you know, information, all of the data, meaning all of the assets in every unit, in every type of property. So if you think about like a large office building, for example, uh, that might be a little bit more because there's going to be more scope of work involved. Mm-hmm. Now, in my experience, I've found the cost of a cross, uh, I keep calling it a cross segregation. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> cost segregation study. Uh, if the building is less than, let's say about one and a half million, the cost of it kind of outweighs the benefit. Um, would you agree with that? And where's generally the mark where the cost of the study outweighs the benefit of the tax write-offs? Yeah. So I'm glad you brought that up. Let's break it down. Let's give a, a case study example and, and we'll show, show you, you know, and our listeners here, how, you know, how much benefit, how much tax benefit you can actually get and then how much of that costs. And that's basically a decision everyone can make. I mean, my general rule of thumb is anything over half a million dollars purchase price, it's a no-brainer because the benefits are so good. So I'll show you right now with a half a million dollar purchase what that would look like. So let's say you're going to pay $5,000 to get this study done. Okay. Mm-hmm. You go back, you take your five million, five, excuse me, $500,000 purchase price. We're going to take off a little bit for land. Land does not depreciate. So let's right off the top, take off 10%. Okay. So what we're left with is $450,000. That's our tax basis. That's how we can depreciate. And again, you can spread that evenly over a 27 and a half year period, which means you would get approximately about $15,000 a year as your simple depreciation write-off, which could be very good. But if you can use more deductions up front, well, let's say you take uh, 20% of that property and you can front load that to the first five years because that's called five-year property, personal property, things that are depreciating like appliances, furniture, flooring, cabinets, countertops, window treatments, basically anything that's non-structural will be on that five-year list, on that five-year category. 20% of $450,000 was our tax basis. That's simple math, $90,000. Okay, That means you can take an extra $90,000 spread over five years. That's pretty good. I mean, that's an that's basically doubling, tripling your depreciation deduction, right? Mm-hmm. There's also this law called 100% bonus depreciation that allows you to take that full amount in the first year. Mm-hmm. So literally, you can take this year a $90,000 tax write-off mm-hmm. uh, tax deduction. Now, it's not a refund. You're not going to get a $90,000 refund. What it's going to do, it's going to lower your tax liability. So without getting crazy in math over here, right? If your tax rate is 
Okay. So that means you are getting cash in your pocket, basically, of, you know, about $20,000, $25,000 of taxes that you didn't pay. So the question becomes, uh, is it worth paying $5,000 to get this tax benefit there of $25,000? Some people, yes. Some people not. I mean, I said a no brainer over over that amount because over that amount, it's proportional, right? If you're getting 20%, and 20% is a little on the low end. On average, it's around 20 to 30%, depending on the type of property uh, that you can take as a a faster depreciation. So all said and done, uh, definitely look at it get a free estimate from any company out there, any you know, uh, comparable conservation company, there's many of them across the country, can give you a free analysis or a free estimate upfront to tell you what you can expect. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's what I would say to do and, and definitely look into it e- even on uh, smaller properties. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. And in, in my experience, I, I a little bit higher where we draw a line in the sand, but that's always good to uh, see that opinion there. And um, now, once you, so ideally, if you're a wealthy individual or you just had a really good year, you had a windfall, maybe you, um, you were in a passive investment and it's sold and now you have a bunch of passive income, this would be a good time then to do that, that study and get that front loaded tax depreciation. Uh, or of course, if it's an active real estate investment, same thing, you're, and you have a bunch, bunch of active income that year from selling a flip or something like that, then you're going to want to do this study to front load that tax depreciation today and uh, owe less taxes uh, today. Um, absolutely. Now, let's say I'm buying a building and I do the study and I buy a building for a million dollars and I sell it for one and a half million dollars three years later. Okay. So I put some money into it. I've made a profit. Let's say my profit's right. a quarter million dollars. And uh, so at this time, now, if I did a cross uh, cost segregation study in the beginning uh, when I bought the building, and I front loaded, a, uh, let's say, $100,000 of tax appreciation from day one. Um, now, when I go to sell it three years later, I have to repay that tax depreciation, uh, essentially, or it's recaptured, right? Um, so does it make sense if I'm flipping apartment buildings to still do a, cro- a cost segregation study last time? Yeah. So let's let's talk about that because I think a lot of people understand um, this idea of recapture and, and what that actually means. So- like you said, when you sell a property and you made a profit, you're going to be subject to what's called a capital gain tax. Everyone knows what that is, right? You're going to be subject to a tax on the amount of depreciation that you uh, took during the course of ownership. There's also another tax that's called depreciation recapture tax. Now, this is does not mean that you repay your depreciation. This does not mean that you have to pay back whatever depreciation you took. It means that you're subject to a tax on that amount of depreciation. So if you took more depreciation upfront, like with the cost segregation study, you are going to have a larger tax bill on that recapture tax, right? Because you've taken more. However, uh, a couple of things to really understand with this. Number one is that the, and, and yes, I agree with you that if you're just doing a flip and you're holding for a very short period of time, the benefit's going to be much less and maybe not even worth it because yes, you will have that benefit, the time value of money of getting those deductions now, but you're going to be subject to that tax, uh, which is essentially going to be about the same amount that you maybe would have benefited. So you've had the time value of money, right? You may have the seven and a half percent of uh, inflation right between now and then. So that might be a good return anyways, but, um, (laughs) but you're going to be, you know, hit with that, uh, with that recapture tax. If you do a 1031 exchange, you defer that recapture tax along with the capital gain tax. And uh, and another important thing to note is that recapture tax is considered what's called a passive gain, like the mm. capital gain, which means if you have passive losses 
from another property. Meaning, let's say you bought another property in the same year mm-hmm. as the sale, or you have carry forward losses from cost segregation, you can use those losses to offset that recapture tax. So again, right. it does not, it's not black and white that number one, you even have to pay that tax. And number two, you're not paying back the depreciation. That's not what recapture means. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's a great way of explaining it. Thanks for doing that. Cause it is a little confusing. And even I, I have trouble understanding that sometimes. And um, it's extremely but, confusing. <laughs> All tax is. stuff is confusing. It, it is confusing. I mean, that's why people like you exist. Right? <laughs> if they simplified the whole thing, you'd be out of the <laughs> job. <laughs> <job, man. laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh boy. So yeah, that's really cool. That's interesting stuff. So, um, you know, and that's a great way, you know, that's why real estate is such an amazing tool. And that why, what is it? I think 60% of uh, billionaires wealth or 70% is in real estate because there's so many little things you can move around to avoid tax, you know, you sell a building this year. Oh, I'll do a, I'll do a study on this building to write off all the gains on that one, you know, or you just do the 1031. What you mentioned was really interesting. So if you're doing a 1031 tax deference and you do this study and you're able to get front load a bunch of tax write-offs and then 1031 into a bigger building, you carry along all these tax write-offs, which if you didn't do the study, you'd be leaving those on the table, right? You'd be just like leaving extra tax write-offs on the table selling the building, trading into a bigger one, deferring all taxes through the 1031 tax exchange, which is a great tax tool. But really, if you don't do the study before you trade up, you could be leaving hundreds of thousands of dollars of tax write-offs on the table. It's like even a free check the IRS, right? Am I wrong? You are 100% right. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That's interesting. So, you know, as an individual who's planning on doing a 1031 with a number of buildings, not right away, but down the road, um, you know, that's definitely a, a, a good way of looking at it. Uh, I never even thought of the study that way. And now that I'm kind of thinking of it that way, that's why I'm glad we did this podcast. This is really helping me think through the, our tax strategy and understand it in even further depth. There you go. Absolutely. Wow. You want to worth your weight in gold. I'll tell you worth your weight in gold. <laughs> Worth every dollar I'm paying you, which. <laughs> oh, no. Checks in the mail. That's all, Yeah, right. Checks in the mail. Great stuff. No, it's really cool. That's really interesting stuff. So how can people reach out to you and, and, and learn more about your services and get in touch with you? Uh, the best way, as you mentioned earlier, I'm very active on LinkedIn, on all the social platforms, but specifically LinkedIn. Let us know that you listen to the, the Passive Cashflow uh, podcast and connect with you there. You can also go to our website. Uh, my personal website is yonaweiss.com or uh, our company's website, madisonspecs.com. So that's our company, Madison Specs. Great. We'll put that in the show notes so our listeners can get in touch with Yona here and his group and learn more about how they help people pay less taxes and keep more of their money and give it instead of giving it to the IRS, which I like. And uh, no, that that's really cool stuff. I enjoyed what we were talking about today. Hopefully we made this topic a little bit interesting as well as taxes can be a little dry here, but we covered <laughs> how to right, how to do a cross uh, cost segregation study. We, we learned the word is not is cost, <laughs> not cross as well. Uh, the cost of that study. Uh, where's the line in the sand to do it? You were saying about a $500,000 building makes sense. And in that scenario you explained, uh, that did make sense to me. And I, I definitely want to rethink our, our buildings as well there. Um, and then we talked about using it for the 1031 tax deference and how to write off additional taxes and carry forward those losses into, into more buildings and eventually uh, refi till you die, as they say, or, or 1031 till you die. So that, that's or a great- swap, swap till you drop. Swap till you drop, right? That's another good one. That's how the wealthy avoid those taxes and keep on swapping up to bigger buildings and defer, defer, defer. 
and then eventually uh, we have our final days, right? So we better hustle while we're on this earth and make it worth our while. Absolutely. But thank you, Yona, so much for coming on. And what's that website one more time? YonaWeiss.com. Awesome. And thank you to our listeners here on the Passive Cash Flow Podcast. Of course, we have over 75 episodes now of interesting guests and in-depth topics. And if you want to learn more about passively investing in real estate and how we help people do that and have been doing so for the last 10 years, then go to peoplescapitalgroup.com. You can enjoy more blogs and podcasts and past webinars there. Maybe sign up for an upcoming webinar or uh, just fill out a qualification form to learn more about upcoming offerings and getting qualified to invest with us. So that all starts at peoplescapitalgroup.com. Thank you again, Yona, for joining the show. Pleasure. Thanks for having me.